We serve a risen Savior. Amen. Thank God for, for the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel of Christ. We're going to begin this morning in the book of Ephesians, chapter number 4. Book of Ephesians, chapter number 4. I, I want to preach to you this morning about uh, a New Testament pastor. A, a New Testament pastor. Um, as many of you know, while you're turning there, there's a few things I want you to know. Um, last Sunday night, the church elected Brother Jason as assistant pastor. There's a few things I want you to know about that. Um, you might be wondering, does Jason need to be ordained? Ordained, And the answer is he already has been. Uh, if you remember, he was ordained uh, to be the assistant pastor of Landbrook Baptist Church. And... So he's already been ordained, so we don't need to have another ordination. Um, also, I want you to know what we discussed and prayed about, what we sought God for. And I want it to be known publicly, um, um, some of the thinking and, and praying and seeking that went on behind the scenes. Um, I want you to know that should I ever like pass away or God leads me somewhere else or uh, I'm no longer the pastor for whatever reason... Um, Jason doesn't become like the automatic default pastor. There'll be a search committee. There'll be a, um, there'll be, it'll be just like um, searching for a new pastor. Um, of course, the church could decide to choose Jason or Bryson, amen, or Sean or uh, whatever, whatever the Lord willing. And, and let me say, when that time comes, and they will, there will come a time, um, no matter what, unless the Lord raptures his church, and let, let, it be, let it be known among us that seek the Lord, amen, seek God, follow scripture, and obey the leadership of the Holy Spirit, and do it in peace and love and unity, amen. Um, so Jason would not become the, uh, like, he's not the next in line, uh, it's, it's not like a, it's not like that at all, so he's, he's, he's Westside's assistant pastor, and also, um, I want you to know, like, the burden that we have, um, eventually we know, Jason's right now doing two jobs, and that, that's not ideal, and we know that. And the prayer, we're seeking God in His timing, I'm not saying like now, but when God's timing, that Jason would step out of like youth pastor, youth minister, and then we would seek that, we would seek someone to pastor, pastor and shepherd our young people, specifically dedicated to that. Um, so it, it's important, though, that the assistant pastor is somebody that the pastor knows, somebody that the pastor's comfortable with, and, and somebody that is rooted in the church. It's awful hard for somebody from the outside to come here that, that nobody knows, nobody's built relationships with, to become an assistant pastor. So, so now we have this in place. And we'll, we'll see what God has for our church down the road. And I also want you to know that it's not like we need to have this position because we need to have this position. We, we want positions to be filled as need arises. So we want it to be obvious. Well, we need, we need a youth pastor. We want it to be like we need an organ player. Amen. Say amen. <laughs> so that's obvious. Um, so we're not like we're not going to get an organ player without an organ. So we haven't, so that, take that for example. So we want us to grow as, as, as need arises. So, so that, that's the uh, down-the-road vision 
for our church. But we want the gospel preached, as you do, and we as a church, we want the Great Commission to be fulfilled, and we want our church to grow, and we not only want it to grow by Christians looking for a church, but ideally we want it to grow by people being born again and being baptized and then being part of our church. So we want the need to necessitate the, um, the, the positions. So, so that's, that's the long down the road um, burden that we have. So uh, be praying for that, that God's will would be done. Amen? His will would be accomplished in our church's life. Amen? All right. A New Testament pastor. So this morning, I want you to follow along with me. Um, I don't really know the difference sometimes between preaching and teaching. <laughs> maybe for uh, maybe the way we would understand it, this is I'm gonna I want to try to teach this, preach slash teach this, that we can understand what the the New Testament has to say about the role of a pastor in the church. So I'm just, this is just a summary. This is not exhaustive. Exhaustive. This is such a deep subject that it could be a series of sermons, obviously, and still not be done. But this is just an overview of what God's placed on my heart that God wants me to share with you and um, about a New Testament pastor. So Ephesians chapter 4, verse number 9. If you're there, say amen. Amen. Let's read a few passages here. Ephesians chapter 4, verse number 9. Now that he ascended, this is Christ our Lord, what is it that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth? He that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all heavens, that he might feel all things. So Christ is not bound by any jurisdiction, by any dimension. He goes and comes as he pleases. He is never trespassing. He is the owner and ruler of all things. So it's speaking of his authority and his right and his power and his sovereignty. So with that in mind, verse number 11, and he gave, he's speaking to the church, he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. So with pastor on our mind, why did Christ give the church pastors? So you, if, you're, if you're taking notes or mental notes, number one, Jesus gave the New Testament church pastors. He gave the church pastors. So you think a pastor is a gift from Christ to the church. The, 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 the pastor or preacher is a gift that Christ gave a man to preach and to, for some to pastor his church. But for why? 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 It's, it's, not for the, it's not for the sake of the pastor. It's not for him. So verse 12, for the, for the perfecting of the saints. So Jesus gave the church pastors for the perfecting, for the maturing, for the growing of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So Jesus gave Westside Baptist Church pastors for the sake of our church, so the church could be perfected, 
The church could, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying, for, so you can grow as Christians for the edifying of the body of Christ, let's, let's add verse 13, till we all come in the unity of the faith. So God gave the church pastors so the church could grow and come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God and unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Now I can speak from experience when I wasn't a pastor that I'm glad and I feel that looking back at it now that the pastor I had growing up was a gift from God to me that Jesus gifted Westside a pastor. And if you've got a pastor who loves you and a pastor who's faithful to his calling and faithful to his church, what a gift that is to the New Testament church. So I grew up under a pastor that was faithful. I grew up under a pastor that proclaimed and heralded the, the gospel of Jesus Christ. I grew up under a pastor that taught me about Jesus. I grew up under pastors, more than even Bunny. Thinking of Brother Dean, and as I mentioned, Brother Wiley, and many others who shepherded me, and loved on me, and taught me the Scriptures, and proclaimed His Word. And all of this, I didn't even know it at the time, was the will of God in the church's life for the perfecting of the saints, for the edifying of the body, that I and many others could come to the what? Verse, verse number 13. Till we all come in the unity of the faith and, the, and of the knowledge of the Son of God. That I was under the voice of a pastor. Somebody who prayed. Somebody who studied the Scriptures. Somebody that not only prayed and studied, but also cared about me in the faith that I was under the voice of a pastor, that we all came and sat under the sound of that pastor, that his voice was a voice of shepherding love. Sometimes it was a voice of rebuke, wasn't it? Sometimes it was a voice of guidance. Sometimes it was, it was a voice of advice. It, it was the, it was, and, when it was, and when his voice, I'm not deifying it at all, you know that, but when his voice aligned with Scripture. And I could sit with a Bible on my lap and I could vouch for that and according to Scripture that that voice was the voice of God spoken into my ear according to Scripture. Amen? That Jesus gives the New Testament church pastors. Thank God for that amazing gift. Amen? It's an amazing treasure that a church can have. So the number one, Jesus gives His church pastors. Number two, turn with, with me to the book of 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter number three. Now we could obviously preach and discuss the calling of, the, of, of, of ministry on a, in a man's life. I can testify to that in my experience. It is, I could say now it is truly a calling of God I think about it all the time. I'm obsessed with it. When I get done with this sermon, I'll be thinking about the next sermon. When I get done, when Monday night starts, 
Monday evening, already the next sermon. It is a calling of God, and I appreciate it, and I'm thankful for it. It is a calling. But what is a pastor? Number one, a pastor is a gift to the New Testament church. And, I, and if, if, if you have had loving, faithful pastors, I'm not talking about ability even. I'm not talking about the style of preaching. You'll find no style of preaching in the New Testament as an example of what preaching is. You'll find no mannerisms that says this is a preacher and this one isn't. I'm glad that Jesus has called all kinds of personalities, aren't you, to be pastors to his church. Pastors should not try to be like even other pastors in a personality sense. You better be yourself, amen? I remember I started preaching. I tried to be like Bunny for a while. I found out I can't stand in those shoes, you know? I got to have my own shoes to stand in. I tried to be like Brother Wiley. I tried to be like Brother Dean. I, I tried to be like everybody. And a young preacher does because they don't even know who he is yet. And let him be like somebody who's faithful to the calling of Christ, amen? But a man better be himself. Jesus called that man to preach. Amen? He called that man to be a pastor. He didn't, they we're not carbon copies of all these other men. Christ uniquely speaks to the life of those who he uniquely calls. And a man better be himself for Jesus. He better be himself for Christ. Amen? I remember years ago I was walking up to the ramp as I was pastoring North Hills Baptist Church and I'll, I was a jumbled up mess, I'll be honest with you. One week I tried to preach like this guy. Another week I tried to preach like that guy. And I heard a sermon on the radio, I thought I'm going to try to preach like him. And I'll be honest with you, Pete, I was getting nowhere fast. And God began to convict me about that and I remember I was, I was fixing to grab the doorknob in there to go into that building to pastor and God began to deal with my heart. He, began, he was dealing with me for months before I even recognized it. You know how he does. And finally I realized, by God's grace, I'm going to be myself if I'm the worst preacher in Knoxville. I'm going to be what Jesus called me to be. Amen? A pastor, a preacher, he better be himself. You've heard the great preacher, uh, Brother Boyd Bingham, hadn't you? There was a young preacher listening to a sermon of a, of a well-respected minister at a revival meeting. And I think I've shared it with you, but the preacher told a joke. And the preacher said, got up there to preach. And he said, the best years of my life were in the arms of another man's wife. And everybody's like, what? He said, the best years of my life were in the arms of another man's wife. And that whole congregation was thinking and squirming. And oh, this guy's he's really off the deep end. And he finally said, well, I'm talking about my mother. The best years of my life were in the arms of another man's wife. Talking about his mother. The young preacher who heard that joke, he said, that's good, I'm going to use that next time I preach. I'm going to tell that joke next time I preach. And so there was, he preached the next week, and he got up there and he thought, I'm going to tell that joke. And he said, the best years of my life were in the arms of another man's wife. Same thing, everybody was squirming. He said, the best years of my life were in the arms of another man's wife. And everybody was like, what in the world? But the problem was the young preacher couldn't think of the punchline. He said, the best years of my life were in the arms of another man's wife. And he started squirming, thought, oh, no. And then he finally said, for the life of me, I can't remember who she is. <laughs> so the truth is, we, we better be ourselves, amen? We better be ourselves.
I remember Brother Bunny growing up here at Westside. He had his own personality, didn't he? It was a good one. And then Brother Dean, who was his, his assistant, somebody he knew, somebody he can talk to and share secrets with. That's important. Brother Dean had his own personality, didn't he? They fit together. We're not supposed to be like each other. We're supposed to be like Jesus. Amen? We're supposed to be like Jesus. Think of what, what gift that God has given our church. And Brother Wiley was singing and testifying and preaching at the same time, and been faithful to Jesus, to His wife and to His church and to His calling and to His family. Faithfulness. Faithful. Amen? Completely surrendered and faithful. I just visited Him a few weeks ago in the hospital there. and had a, You know, in, in the, on the foot of the hospital bed was a gospel track, and in the emergency room was still about his father's business. I'm glad to be a part of a church where a man goes, that I go to a church where he goes, aren't you? And Brother Wiley has his own unique, beautiful personality that Jesus has used and squeezed his Christ's life out of Wiley for decades and decades. And we have been the beneficiary, haven't we, of this gift to the church. Pastors are a gift to the New Testament church. Amen? They're a gift. Number two, God has spoken that pastors must be qualified. Pastors must be qualified. 1 Timothy chapter number 3, the qualifications of a pastor. This is a faithful, this is a true saying. If a man desire the office of a bishop, he desireth a good work. And I always, I can't help but to mention Brother Delmer Loy, who's in glory now, who was the faithful pastor of Landbrook Baptist Church. He told me, I highlight or underline the word work there. Whoever desireth to be a pastor, desireth a good work. And I'm telling you, it is a work. It is a work. It is an exhausting, soul-draining, mental-draining, tiring work. It is a work. It takes its toll on the man who does it faithfully and rightfully according to Scripture. I ran into somebody the other day and somebody in the church circle, the, our uh, Baptist circle, and he told me that I was getting a little old. I was looking old. And I said, I've been a pastor now for going on almost 15 years. And I'm telling you, I'm not saying that the people are the burden. The work is the burden. You're doing a heavenly work behind enemy lines on foreign soil and all of hell and all the demons and all the powers and principalities does everything constantly to try to stop this work from going on. Constantly. Pray for your pastors. Pastors suffer from depression at a very high rate. Pastors suffer from discouragement at a very high rate. Pastors suffer from, uh, from all types of some would say mental symptoms of illness. They've gone crazy, some of them. Pray for pastors. 
who are faithful to the work of Jesus Christ. Verse 2, a bishop then must be blameless. It doesn't mean he's perfect. It means he keeps his accounts short. If he messes up, he says it. He seeks apologies. He seeks seeks to reconcile broken relationships. He's blameless. It, It doesn't mean he's perfect. It means that you can't point at him and say he's up to no good. That's what it means. He might make mistakes, but he does them in good faith. He might be wrong, but it's for the right reasons. A bishop then must be blameless. He's the husband of one wife. He is to be faithful to his lady. Amen? He's to be vigilant. That means he's temperate. He's to be sober. That means he's self, he has self-control. He's to be of good behavior. To give into hospitality. He's to be nice and kind. He's to be approachable. You should be able to go talk to him. He should maintain that and try to put off the airs even of you can talk to me. I'll be honest with you, you've known me long enough now, this has been a challenge of mine. I'm an, I'm an introverted person. I'm not an extrovert. Even what I'm doing now is an act of God's amazing grace. It's a miracle. I'm even standing here. I'm more introverted than some of you. Like my brother, he will talk to anybody. Have you noticed it? Amen. <laughs> Two brothers, me and Sean, will go to a gas station. He'll strike up a conversation with the clerk for 30 minutes. Mine will be three seconds. Appreciate it. At the door. <laughs> Two different people. Two different people. See, we're brothers, but we're different. We're brothers, but we're different. He's to be nice. Verse 2, he's to be apt to teach. It means he's skillful to teach. It doesn't mean his style. Some might think that he's boring. Some might think that it's interesting. But he's apt to teach. He's skillful at it. Verse 3, he's not given to wine. He's no striker. It's obvious. He, he's not greedy of filthy lucre, but patient. That means he's gentle. He's, he's not doing it for self-gain. He's not doing it for self-advancement. He's not a brawler. He's not covetous. He's not a lover of money. Verse 4, he's one that ruleth well his own house, having his children in subjection with all gravity. The word gravity there means with dignity and respect. He's not a tyrant at his house. He's not abusive in his house. He does it with dignity and respect. For Verse 5, for if a man know not how to rule his own house... How shall he take care of the church of God? If his faith is not impressionable enough and real and obvious that it doesn't salt and sanctify his house, then how in this world will he make a difference in the church of Jesus Christ? If his faith isn't so real and on fire that it does something in his home, then how in this world can he do it in the church of God? Amen? And if he preaches the gospel publicly, let him live it privately. And let his children know, and let it be obvious, that there's no difference between dad behind the pulpit than there is in the home. No difference. He's kind to other kids publicly. He should be kind to his kids privately and raise them biblically. Verse 6, not a novice. He's to have some experience. You know why? Because you got to learn people and you got to know people. Because beware of men. Because some of them creep in unawares. So the pastor should be what? He should be wise as a serpent. 
Spiritual paranoia helps sometimes. Look for red flags. Listen to conversations. But he should be harmless as a dove. Verse 6. Not a novice, lest being filled with pride, he fall into the condemnation of the devil. Verse 7. Moreover, he must be of good report of them that are without, lest he fall into the reproach of the snare of the devil. Now, I know Brother Jason has a job outside of, outside of church, and I know, like any job, sometimes there's disagreements. What does that verse mean? It means, though, that the general consensus at Vreeland Engineering, where Jason works, would say he's a pretty good guy. His neighbors should be able to say that he's a good man. That's what it means. Why is that important? Because if he makes us look bad, he makes Jesus look bad. I often pray that I don't make Jesus look bad. Every time I preach, I pray that I don't make Jesus look bad. I want him to look good. I want Jesus to be glorified. We don't want Jesus to look bad. Number three, a New Testament pastor. God has set aside pastors to be examples. To be examples. Look at chapter 5 of 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter number 5, verse number 3. 1 Peter chapter number 5, verse number 3. What is a New Testament pastor? He is an example. Verse 3. Neither as being lords, so he's not bossy, he, he's... He's not a delegator who just tells people what to do. That's not what a pastor is. Neither is being lords over God's heritage. And that's an important statement there. Because a pastor handles two of the most precious things in the universe. Number one, he handles the Word of God. And number two, he handles God's people. So the pastor, is, he's not bossy, fussing, griping over God's heritage but being an example to the flock. But the modern expression of that is servant leadership. A pastor should do what everybody else is doing. And he leads them from the front. If a pastor says, thou shalt not, he better not do it. Amen? If a pastor says, thou shalt, he better be the one doing it. You know who the least is in the kingdom of heaven, don't you? Those who teach men but don't do likewise. Whatever the church does, the pastor should be doing it first. Amen? Obviously, we have different roles. Obviously, you, Bonnie, or me don't want me playing the piano. <laughs> but you know what we can say about me and Bonnie? We're in it together. Amen? We're doing it for Jesus. Don't you agree that Bonnie shouldn't be playing the piano without me being here with her? examples to the flock. The book of 1 Timothy, chapter number 4, Paul has a word to say about the subject of pastors being an example. 1 Timothy, chapter number 4, look at verse number 12. What is a New Testament pastor? He is an example. Verse number 12, 1 Timothy, chapter number 4. The Word of God says, Let no man despise thy youth, not young as he used to be. Right, Jason? Let no man despise thy youth, 
but be thou what? An example of the believers. And how does Paul want pastors to be examples to believers? Because Paul is writing to a young pastor. Number one, he wants them to be examples in the Word. In Word. Look at verse 13. Till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. So Paul tells Timothy, be an example to believers in the Word. So learn the Bible, preach the Bible, exhortation, live the Bible, learn the doctrine of Scriptures, be an example to believers in the Word. Talk about the right things. Preach about the right things. Then secondly how our pastors to be examples also, not only in their word, but in their behavior, verse 12, in conversation, in the manner of their life, in charity, in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity. I think about those of us who are blessed to know Brother Bunny. He had an amazing spirit about him, didn't he? He was an example to us by the word. And the word he preached lined up with a life that he lived, and he, his manner of life was Bible, his, his love was Bible, his spirit was Bible, his faith was Bible, and his purity, his life was pure. Pastors are to be pure. Amen? Pure. Blameless. Look at verse 15. Paul told the young pastor to meditate on these things. In verse 14, he said, Neglect not the gift that is in thee, your ordination, which was given thee by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the presbytery. That means men who came before you had confidence in you. Let that give you confidence that Bunny was at your ordination, that Wiley was at your ordination, that Alt Dean was at your ordination, that men that we hold in high esteem... Consider them had rule over us, Hebrews teaches. Meditate on these things and give thyself wholly to them, verse 15, that thy profiting may appear to all. What's that mean? Pastors, Jason, Josh, should keep growing in the Word and keep growing in Christ in our life and we get more pure and more in the faith and more loving and more gentle and more bold and more confident in the Scriptures for what? That people can know and it be so obvious that He is still growing in the faith. Because if He's not growing in the faith, He's not doing this. Hey, walk with me as I follow Jesus. Hey, you all come over here. I want to show you something else. I learned this about Jesus, and I want to tell you about it. I want us all to go to grow in the fullness of the unity of the faith. I want us all to know the breadth and the depth and the length and the height and to know the love of Christ which passes all knowledge. I want us to grow as a church that Christ would dwell in us richly by faith. And if the pastor isn't noticeable that that's happening to him, the church is going nowhere fast. Amen? I heard it said one time, and I'm cautious to say it because I'm very careful because we shouldn't ever be put on a pedestal. But the church grows, will not outgrow the pastor typically. Now every once in a while, God will send a Samuel to usurp Eli. But typically, 
As the pastor goes, so does the church. Amen. So does the church. Last thing. God gave the church pastors to herald the gospel of Jesus Christ. To herald it. Paul told Timothy in chapter 4 of 2 Timothy, verse number 2, preach the word. He says, I charge thee, verse 1. Number 2, preach the word. That's the business. That's his job. What does the pastor do? He preaches the word. Listen, I'm going I'm to be very careful here. The pastor is not the church's errand boy, and I'm, I thank God that's not the way it is here, but the pastor preaches the word. That's his job. His job is to herald the gospel of Christ, to proclaim it, to preach it, and to teach it. He can't maybe always be everywhere all the time because if he's faithful and just and doing it right, he needs to be alone with Jesus to give himself to reading, to doctrine, to exhortation so that he can leave the study on fire for Jesus Christ and say, Thus saith the Lord. And he can't do that if he's not in the Word. Preach the Word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine because here we are. The time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. What's a pastor do? You bring your family to a place under the sound of a voice of a qualified, spirit-filled pastor, Lord willing, who proclaims the death of Christ for our sins according to Scripture, the burial of Christ, the resurrection of Christ according to the Scriptures, so that your family can know Him, that your children can receive salvation through Jesus Christ consistently over and over and over again, the voice of the Gospel in a world that will not hear it. Thank God for the gift that Jesus gave the church when He gave the church pastors. Amen? Now, most pastors, those who are called, are like this. What a gift. And I'm closing here. Woe unto them if they preach not the gospel. They have to do it. They want to do it. They are driven to do it. They are compelled to do it. They are obsessed to do it. It is their sole reason for life on earth. They, that's all they think about and talk about and dwell on. They'll sit in the living room with their wife and their wife will be talking to them and the pastor will be dazed off into maybe another world sometimes because they all they want to do is preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And what gift God has given the church in that, if that is that man who shepherds that church. The man who when everybody's having cookouts is praying and worrying about his church. The man when everybody else is doing something else is burdened about the church of Christ. 
That's a gift from heaven in a world when it's awful hard to find somebody who cares, isn't it? Amen. That is a summary of a New Testament pastor. Be that, Jason. Amen? Be that. Be that. And let us pray that Jason is that. Because our church needs that. Our church needs that. Our church needs men who these little ones look to and say, I want to be like him. This church needs men that set examples for marriage. And we have many here, and praise God for it. But this church needs men that I can say to my son, follow his lead. Follow his example. This church needs men that I can say to my daughters, that's what you're looking for in a man who loves his church, loves Jesus, loves the word, faithful to prayer. That's what you need. That's the examples our daughter needs. Amen? Our church needs strong biblical leadership. That's leadership. Not bossing, not fussing. An example of faithful pastoral care. That is servant leadership. Amen? Amen. I remember Brother Bunny as Bryson comes to get an invitation. I remember, and I speak about him a lot because I had a pastor. I mean, listen to me. I had a pastor. A pastor. I mean, I had one. I was blessed to have one. I mean it. I mean, there's a lot of churches that don't even have a pastor. There's a lot of churches that have a pastor for a little while, and then he's gone. There's a lot of churches that have a pastor for a little while, and then he falls. I'm telling you, Bryson, I had me a pastor. I had a pastor. It had a big impact on my life. And I think about him a lot, and I think about Jesus in him, and I think I want, I don't want to, I've learned I can't be Bunny. I don't don't want to be like Bunny. I want to be like Jesus. But what I want you to have, I want you to have a pastor. And it drives me. It moves me. You know why? Because I had one. And you see how it works? So God gave the church pastors. So it, what, does what to the church? It makes a teenager want to live for Jesus. It does. It does, don't it? it? It's It's amazing, but it does. My mother even used my pastor growing up as a conscience in our home. She said, oh, Bunny could see the way you all are acting now. That's what she'd say. (laughs) A pastor. Not a God. Not a president. No. An under-shepherd who loves Jesus more than you that plays out by loving you tremendously. That's a pastor. I want that for our church. A pastor. We got to love Jesus, amen? We got to love his people. We got to love his word. We got to make time for reading. We got to make time for study. Got to work on loving people. Hey, some of us are hard to love sometimes. Say amen.
Some of you didn't. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> what a gift God's given the church. Let's stand to our feet. A shepherd. 375. If you need prayer this morning.